0: Pursuit for Therapists, the podcast dedicated to guiding therapists on the path to launch and grow their own successful private practice. We are Rachel and Adrian, and we are thrilled to embark on this journey with you. Navigating the world of private practice can be a daunting endeavor filled with uncertainties, and that's where this podcast comes in. Practice Pursuit for Therapists
1: is here to host open and honest discussions around the most challenging aspects of being a therapeneur. In each episode, we'll dive deep into the crucial and intimidating aspects of starting a business. We wanna support you in this emotional journey. We're here to help you take meaningful steps to overcome insecurities and doubts that might otherwise hold you back. Let's get started. Good morning, Rachel. We're continuing our series on causes of burnout. And today we're talking about lack of boundaries in our work. There are so many things to have boundaries with (laughs) in private practice. And I don't know that I knew what my boundary issues were going to be before I jumped into it. I knew some of them, but not all of them. You know, one of the things that we were talking about was, having boundaries with client scheduling and our own schedule. And that one can be so tough. This is one that I really do struggle with a lot in my practice. You know, when you have a client who needs to reschedule or cancel because of something that's come up in their schedule, moving that appointment is so tempting, especially when you work from home and you can make it work, but then you disrespect your own boundaries and you wind up working at all kinds of times that you don't want to. I don't know. That is one that I struggle with a lot. I, I need to make the money, right? Because we only get paid for client hours. And I also need to have limits and boundaries. So do you struggle with that?
0: Yeah, I do. I think I am so tempted to be lenient in those ways with clients. I'm also really tempted to schedule later sessions to accommodate clients' needs, especially since I am on the East Coast and I still see some clients in Colorado. I feel like I need to accommodate for that time difference and honor their schedule. But I'm working on that one. I still struggle with that. My husband says all the time, time, if you schedule an appointment with a doctor, they wouldn't do that. Like they have set hours, you know, you have to take time off work and make your schedule work around their availability. I guess the difference is we're a lot of times doing weekly appointments. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I also had health repercussions from not maintaining that boundary. I work later one day a week and I almost always get a migraine on that day. So I'm really trying to have better boundaries in that area and do things like charge the no-show or late cancellation fee, keep my schedule consistent and not budge even when someone's trying to ask if I will budge for them. So yeah, I think one of the biggest things I notice too besides the health repercussions is also the resentment I feel when I don't maintain those boundaries because I know I've created my schedule based on what I know about my body, my health needs, times of the day I need to eat, things like that, and when I don't yeah. honor that, I don't feel good and I'm more resentful. Which mm-hmm. leads to compassion fatigue, for sure.
1: Yeah. I struggle with the same things. I mean, I see people in my own state, but I do feel the need to be flexible, you know, because I yeah. have people who are teachers,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? They can't take time off during the day and they need care too. Yeah. And so this is my internal battle all the time, especially if it's a client that's reached out that feels like a good fit in all the other ways. I mm-hmm. want to accommodate them. Right. and that part has been an internal battle. And it's an ever-changing one too. So when I took clients, probably, I don't know, eight months ago that were evening clients, I was seeing clients in the evening then. And as my kids have gotten involved in more and more after-school activities, evenings have become harder and harder for me because I have to be their taxi. So then I wind up stressing myself out to try and maintain this evening schedule, because I committed to it eight months ago, but my schedule has changed and taking that time to really recognize, okay, is this even a good fit for me anymore? Or do I need to refer out? Because I have a really hard time referring out, especially if I've got good rapport with a client.
0: Yeah, I totally understand that. Especially when you've been working with a client for years, maybe. Right. I want to honor that commitment and loyalty. But Mm -hmm. I also know that when I have tried to change the schedule a little bit, clients have been receptive to that. So far, knock on wood, I have not had anyone get angry about me requesting to change the time that we meet. And sometimes I feel the need to explain why, which maybe I need to work on. They don't need to know that I'm doing it because I get migraines. Like that could create guilt. And I don't want them to feel guilty. But being able to validate my own need to change my schedule and feel empowered to assert that and trust that it'll be okay is mm-hmm. hard to do sometimes.
1: It is really hard to do. Yeah, It's interesting because the first time I went into private practice, I made my entire schedule based around client needs. So yeah. I worked evenings and weekends because that's when the clients were available. And I hated it because I hate working evenings and weekends. And I Mm -hmm. thought I didn't go back to school to get a graduate degree to have to keep working evenings and weekends, Right. right?" right? I wanted more of a daytime schedule. And for some people, it works great to do evenings and weekends, and that's perfect for the clients that need them. But It doesn't work for my life and my lifestyle. So when I went into private practice this time around, I thought, okay, I'm going to just block it and I'm going to offer what I offer and I'm going to hold firm to that. And if my schedule doesn't meet their needs, then I'm not the right therapist for them. I have done really well with that piece. So I don't take on clients anymore that need late afternoon or evening appointments. But when a client gets a new job and I've been seeing them for two years and now all of a sudden their needs change, that one is a lot tougher for me because I feel like there's also ethical implications that come into it where it's like, I don't want to abandon the client right? and I have to respect my own boundaries. And so that one can be a tough one.
0: Yeah. I could see myself in that situation also Definitely struggling with that too. Because again, we've established rapport. Mm -hmm. There's a good relationship. It could be detrimental, but trusting the resiliency of the people we work with and knowing that when we're taking care of ourselves, we're our best provider. You know, that's something I try to keep in mind, but it's it's tough, especially in the helping profession. We've made some points in past episodes about the martyr complex and the lack mindset, you know, those things come into play and we feel like we need to be what everyone needs. And there's like, sometimes, especially that you were talking about starting your practice and just taking on everybody and just meeting them when they request to meet that maybe came from a like, a lack mindset, feeling like desperation to to take everyone on. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's fear.
0: Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. So I definitely recommend holding to your boundary about what your needs are, because that'll keep you from burnout just right out the gate. But it is hard; it poses challenges and. You know, just like with any boundaries, they have to be flexible because if we have rigid boundaries, that's not healthy yeah. and it's okay for things to change too.
0: And I think one area I struggle with in terms of holding boundaries is when I come across difficult clients or clients that I feel like I'm not really vibing with and would maybe work better with another therapist. I struggle internally with that. I, I don't know. I I think maybe one time I've told someone I don't think we're a good match and I base that on the fact that I'm all virtual. You know, if they're self-harming or suicidal yeah. or severely depressed to the point that they have a hard time managing hygiene and taking care of themselves, those are situations that are better to have eyes on. Mm-hmm. And if I feel like the person isn't being honest, or if I feel like maybe the person, I I don't know, I just, you know, sometimes there's situations where virtual therapy is not appropriate. And I struggle with feeling like I need to accommodate that, instead of holding that boundary and referring them elsewhere. Right. Because we want to grow in our practice, right? Yeah, we want to offer the things that people need.
1: And knowing your own limits and your own limitations, what you're capable of, how many hours there are in a day. Yeah, That's, yeah, it's an important boundary and it's a really, really hard one.
0: Mm -hmm. It is. But I know when I'm not honoring that, I feel that compassion fatigue. I get Mm -hmm. annoyed or irritated. I dread meeting with that client. That's how I know I'm experiencing burnout when I'm experiencing those emotions. And I feel like the biggest contributor to that is, not holding boundaries one around time and one around working with the clients that I feel like really benefit from what I have to offer. Yeah. Working within your own niche.
1: Yeah. You know, one thing I've been trying to challenge myself to do is to think about, you know, I don't work with teenagers. That's just one of my boundaries. And I am okay telling somebody I don't work with teenagers virtually. Mm -hmm. That's just not comfortable for me. So when I think about things that people come to me with conditions and situations that they come to me with being able to say, okay, in my head, you know, I, this is the same. It's the same as saying I don't work with kids or I don't work with teenagers, but it is hard. Yeah. It's hard to do that.
0: Yeah. And even with clients I'm vibing with. If something Mm -hmm. comes up and I learn about this thing they're experiencing that I don't have a lot of knowledge of, I immediately feel the urge to go read about it, take some continuing education courses. And, you know, again, it's that feeling like I need to know as much as I can and be what everyone needs. And I sometimes have to have boundaries for myself around that, just being willing to acknowledge I don't have a lot of specialization in that area, and maybe this would be helpful, or maybe that would be helpful. And I can still honor my desire to learn and grow. I just don't need to feel that desperation to learn it all before the next session. Yeah. And maybe
1: recognizing that, right, that urge, that impulse to do all the learning before the next session is a good indicator that it might be time to refer out.
0: Yeah. 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 Because
1: we can we can do harm. Mm-hmm. That's and true. we don't mean to. Right. You know, that's something that I've learned recently, semi-recently, but in taking some trainings on eating disorders, just recognizing how some of the normal things that are good for the majority of the people in coping are actually counter to what people with eating disorders need. And so recognizing that teaching your mainstream coping skills to somebody with an eating disorder can actually do harm. And I think it's important to recognize that niche is important. And it's mm-hmm. a hard thing to get your head in that mindset when you're in private practice, because in every other setting you've been in, you've been expected to be a jack of all trades.
0: right? Yeah, And
1: that's not helpful. I think we knew that going into our careers out of school, right? Like it's important to know something and know your niche, Mm -hmm. but then we get into the real working world and that's not honored. And, and so it's, it's hard. It's hard to switch that mindset back that it's okay that I don't know Mm -hmm. everything. I'm not expected to know everything. And so I'm going to keep it here where I want it and not feel like I have to overexpand.
0: Yeah. I think we hear a lot that niche is good for marketing purposes, but I think it's good for a lot of reasons. One, working within your niche prevents burnout because if you're using what you're passionate about and really knowledgeable about and gifted in, you're in this mindset of feeling good. At least I feel like almost like this spiritual connection, like this is a good and right connection that feels like I'm doing as much as I can do whereas if I'm working with someone that's not within my niche mm-hmm. I feel that resistance and that tension and I think it's really good to work within your niche for that reason too and yeah when you're also when you're working within a niche that you're passionate about it's a lot easier and more exciting to keep working
1: 100% yeah you don't get that burnout feeling. You look forward to seeing your clients. Um, It doesn't feel stressful to think, oh my gosh, what are they going to throw at me? Because I really don't know anything about this topic. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Definitely. You had
1: mentioned, you've mentioned compassion fatigue a couple of times. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on compassion fatigue and burnout?
0: So as I was mentioning compassion fatigue and made a note about that in our podcast notes, I was thinking of particular time I worked with a client that had really high needs. There was falling out when I had to set a boundary and say this really isn't appropriate. I was experiencing a lot of compassion fatigue fatigue in that dynamic and i now recognize that part of that was from not really establishing the boundaries and you know communicating the boundaries along the way and i think to a degree i did but it kind of built up to this big incident where i probably on my face didn't look very compassionate i probably was giving off a vibe that i was irritated and and that probably was ultimately what created the disconnect in the end mm. more than the words i was speaking so i really learned from that situation that again honoring my niche and communicating the boundaries along the way especially up front it's not always comfortable to have the conversation in the first session where you have to clarify the rules and things in the documents that they sign, I sometimes have a hard time wanting to communicate that up front and just, Mm -hmm. you know, talk about it as it comes up. But I think it's a really important part of the relationship and the impact of therapy to really clearly state those boundaries up front. And I can respond in compassionate ways more easily when the person knows what the rule is and they're prepared for the consequences versus if I, there's been times I've waited till something happened and then explained it and let it go because I didn't explain it before and then say, well, the next time I really need to enforce this, you know, those kinds of things creates compassion fatigue. And that to me is really similar to burnout when I feel like I'm not feeling compassion towards my clients and I'm feeling resentment, it's almost always because I didn't clarify a boundary clearly enough.
1: Yeah. You know, one thing I'm challenging myself to do with that in my own practice is in January, redoing everybody's contract. uh, Mm -hmm. What are the things? Yeah, the
0: documentation,
1: the HIPAA, the, you know, just The policies, redoing Mm -hmm. all of my policies and just updating them and taking time to revisit them so that I am secure in the fact that this is top of mind, that they remember Mm -hmm. the rules. Because when you've been seeing somebody for years, they forget. Yeah. We all do. We forget, right? Yeah. So that's something I'm challenging myself to do.
0: I like Uh, that. I'm going to add that to my challenge. Well, I did recently have my lawyer review all my documents. I ran them through ChatGPT. I updated them and I had my lawyer review them. And that was actually really helpful because she was saying, you need to be charging more. You need to have Mm -hmm. a stricter boundary with this she was encouraging me to be more assertive and really know my worth. And that was encouraging to have a lawyer back that up. So now all my documents are rewritten and I do need to update that and simple practice and send them to my clients. And that would be a good opportunity to talk to everybody and review the rules again.
1: Yeah. Okay. So what about resources? You talk about the lawyer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, So sometimes with private practice, we have limited resources. We don't have the money to pay for people to do all of the things. So we wind up doing all of the things ourselves. And then it's really hard to hold a time boundary. Right. What are some things, I know we've reviewed this in a previous episode, but what are things that you just off the cuff recommend that people spend their money on and don't do themselves?
0: I think anything that involves liability, Like you mentioned earlier, I want to know that if something happens with a client, I have my lawyer backing me. I know that this document was written by a lawyer. I know that I'm doing the right thing and saying the right things and honoring the law, the state laws and federal laws. So having a lawyer review your documents, having a lawyer approve and give recommendations on the way I'm running my business. I also hire people to do my taxes. That's something that scares me and Mm -hmm. holds liability in my mind. So I have someone that I have hired someone that does the bookkeeping and does my taxes. And I don't have to feel anxious about making sure I'm doing everything right. So those are two things that I have outsourced. I'm working both emotionally and financially towards having someone manage my website and do things that maybe aren't necessarily essential, but would be helpful to have that lifted off my chest. It would help with burnout, I think a part of burnout is having everything on my shoulders and feeling like I need to be a jack of all trades because I don't want to spend the money outsourcing. Mm-hmm. So I might spend a week learning about how to make a website or something like that where I could be putting it towards better uses. So, yeah, for me, it's like definitely where there's an area of liability for sure, outsource if you can. To, you know, the next tier, I guess, is when I feel like I'm financially able, outsource the things that feel like I'm not super knowledgeable in, and then I can let go of feeling the need to be an expert in that. Yeah. What do you think?
1: I think I agree with all of those things. And, you know, really just thinking about what do you... Need to spend your time doing so if it's something like credentialing, right? Credentialing with an insurance company that's something that I'm going to do one time. Mm-hmm. So, is it worth my time to invest hours trying to figure out how to do this right, right? When I'm never going to use that knowledge again, maybe not. Yeah, with a website, okay, am I going to have to update it and be responsible for that? Maybe, mm-hmm. right? So that might be more time worth spending. So really just doing that cost benefit analysis, I feel like can be really important because we all come into this with different skill sets. So is marketing easy? Is that what your career was before you became a therapist, right? Then maybe you wouldn't outsource that because that's in your knowledge bank, but you know, really thinking about what do you bring to the table personally and what are the things that are really challenging for you and how much time does it take to learn mm-hmm. that thing? It might be worth outsourcing. I definitely outsource taxes. I outsource the liability stuff and I outsource credentialing because I started doing it on my own and it was like, this is too much thinking work. So yeah,
0: there's a lot of things that don't make sense. And yeah, yeah It it's, I wish I did that. Yeah. I mean, to I'm glad to have, investment. yeah, I'm glad to have learned how to do it just so I know, but really it's worth investing in someone who knows what they're doing to be able to answer all the questions and know that it's being done right. Yeah. And a hundred,
1: 150 bucks to not have to think about it. Yeah. It's worth it.
0: Definitely worth it. So, yeah.
1: Awesome. So I guess, you know, in summary, just really thinking about what boundaries do you need to have in your private practice and how can you protect your own boundaries? What is it that you want? Because that's as important as what the clients want and need. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And doing that prevents burnout and compassion fatigue. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, Rachel. Yeah. I'll see you next time. Awesome.
1: Thank you all for joining in and listening to Practice Pursuit for Therapists. Please like, subscribe, and share if you loved this episode. We appreciate you all and we'll see you next time.